Thank you. Have a seat. All right. Preach the word. Yes, let's do it. One quick thing, and that is Jay Sinzer needs a ride. Are you, are you guys, uh, you guys know Jay Sinzer? Where is he? Did he leave? He went to teach the children. If you know Jay Sinzer, he needs a ride to Clovis or Lubbock. Anybody going to Clovis or Lubbock? Jace is really calm and quiet. <laughs> Anyways, he's an awesome guy. I love him. And if, you need, if you're going to Clovis or Lubbock and you can give Jace a ride, talk to me afterwards and I'll introduce you to him. Uh, he needs to get up there. His mother-in-law is uh, really, really sick and he needs, his wife is there. Jan is there. Well, I've noticed because I've been going to church pretty much all my life and I've noticed that there are kind of three ways that people walk into church. Now, there's probably more than that, but I'm going to show you at least these three people walk into church uh, like this. Here's, here's way number one. <laughs> that might have been true, but that wasn't very nice, all right? Hello, yes, I am here, we can start now, yes, I'm gracing all of you with my presence, you too God, we can start now, I'm here, that's, that's the first way, I've seen a few people, that, that's an exaggeration by the way, uh, just in case you didn't realize that, a little bit of an exaggeration, uh, here's, here's way number two. I'm in the parking lot. <laughs> okay. Step in the door. Oh, no lightning. Okay, okay. All right, now I'm going to keep my head down. I don't want anybody to see that I'm here. All right, just see if I can just kind of, I don't want anybody to know I'm here. I don't want to be judged, and I just don't want anybody to see me. And I'm going to disappear right over here in this place right here. Okay. Those are a couple of ways people walk into church, and they're and I like I said they're a bit of an exaggeration, but these are a couple of ways that I've seen that people's hearts are when they walk in the door. There's a third way that people walk into church, and I'll share that with you as we get to the end of our lesson today. We're in this series, and we're finishing it today from Luke 15, the prodigal son. It's I, I've titled it Aha, and I told you it was from um, told you it was from this uh, this pastor that's over in i think he's in memphis is where he is and uh let's see if i can get this make sure this plugged in and uh he is um his name is kyle eidelman he wrote a book called aha and you can read that and i took some of his ideas away from him and uh let's see if this is going to work today going to work there we go no problem luke 15 coming awake coming to your senses and coming home and the reason we've titled this about the prodigal son and this whole story that jesus told aha is for the word the letters a h a and here they are he had a sudden awakening he went off to a far, a far land a distant land he was in he ends up squandering everything he's in the pig pen and he's starving to death and he he has a sudden awakening he realizes he comes to his senses what god's word says he came to his senses and then he has brutal honesty the bible says he said to himself Fathers, my fathers, even the slaves, they're better off than this. 
And I'm going to go home. I'm going to go. He talked to himself. He was honest with himself about his situation. And then there was immediate action. Last week we read what the Bible says. And he got up and went to his father. Because if you have, if you have the first two, which a lot of us do, awakening and honesty, but then no action ever in our life, we, we don't actually, it's not a great story. We're not actually experiencing God's love and grace. And so I've been praying for our eyes to be opened, praying for our hearts to be touched by the love of a very good father. Now, we all know that he's good. If I ask you the test and you guys can all answer either yes or no, is God good? All right. You all got a 100 on the test. You all know the answer. That's great. You know the answer. But some of us, we just need it to sink down into our hearts and into our lives with an awareness of this grace and this love that God just pours, like we prayed, like we sang today, that He just pours His love all over us, just down on our head. It's just all over our lives, everywhere, every single day. And, and are we noticing how amazing it is to be His children? I, I'm partly reminding you that because if you remember back in January, I invited all of you to be a part of a an experience, and a lot of us did that and are still doing it, and that is to try to write down 1,000 things we're thankful for. And, and so we all took our little books with us, and some of us started, and some did it, and some didn't. We've got all those things in the kitchen in there that we're all writing on the canvases. We want to fill those up, encourage you to keep writing on those things you're thankful for. I, you know what? I kind of got tired of doing it. I just kind of got into a funk for a couple of weeks, and I was like, I don't want to do it. And I just quit. I just quit being thankful. But this last week, I just picked it up again, and I, I still got several hundred more to go to get to a thousand. But, I, but I'm, it, it makes a difference in my life when my eyes are opened to how amazing God is and how much He loves us, how much He's blessing. It's a great, great discipline for us to do that can help us remember how good God is every day. And I also want to encourage you this to take this step of action. If your heart has been convicted during this study this month, you know there's a part of your life you've just kept it away from God. You're not off living, you know, in some wild and crazy prodigal son, you know, pigsty somewhere. But you also know that there's a part of your life you've just kept it as distant country. This is the distant country right here, God. You can't have this. Some of you have been convicted of that. And if you have, I want to encourage you to take a step of action. I shared with you a couple last week, I think, yeah, I shared with you last week about that Step of action I took when I called that counselor. And I'm going to give you uh, his number so you don't have any excuses. If you know I need to go see a counselor, I need some help. This guy's a great guy. Pat Trimbley is a good friend of mine. I encourage you to call him. Some of you, you know, maybe it's not a counselor. Some of you need to decide and, and then take a step of action. I'm going to go to celebrate recovery on Friday night because I got some hurts or habits or hang ups. I got some things in my life that I'm really not giving to God. I'm not dealing with. I'm not letting Him have. And Celebrate Recovery is, is a great in-between link from beginning to follow Christ to getting on the road where we can actually begin to learn. How do I walk with Christ? It's a very safe, good place. It meets at one church. And Gateway is partnering with them to help people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So today we'll finish the story that Jesus told. I like uh, the, the thing I heard about a preacher who was 
telling this story, and he told about the prodigal, the prodigal went off, you know, and he did all this bad stuff, and he really described how horrible it was, all the stuff he did. And then he said he was coming home, and the father came running off the porch, and when he got to the son, he said, and, and the preacher kind of paused for drama, and a little kid in the audience said, you're grounded! <laughs> it's pretty good. I wonder what you would have said if you were the father. It was your prodigal. I think I might say you're grounded. I might. But what will the father say? What will this good God say? See, most of you, probably almost without exception, every one of you knows the story. And if you don't, I'm, I'm just proud as I can be to get to tell you the greatest story on earth, the end of it today. But if you'd been there in the first century and you'd never heard the story before, you knew when that father came running off of that porch, you knew tough love is on its way. He is going to make this young son pay with interest every cent that he owes. He's going to let him have it. That's what's going to happen, and the audience knew it. And as Jesus often did, he turned the whole story and the audience upside down. Let's pray and then we'll read the story. God, thank you. Thank you for this Bible. Thank you for your word. And we believe it's living and active and we believe, God, that you have work to do in our hearts today. So we'll do our part right now. We're going we're gonna to try to soften our heart. We're going we're gonna to try to open and crack it open just a little bit. That's pretty hard for me and for some of us because we're really prideful. But we're going to do that work, and we're going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to do your work. Change our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke chapter 15. Here's the, the way the story goes. But while he was still a long way off. And, and let, me, let me just say before we read this, I, I always, I'm going to, I'm going to rush through this. Let these words soak in, okay? You prodigals out there? Let these words soak in. Most beautiful story ever told. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate this son of mine. He was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost. He's found. And so they begin to celebrate. Man, what a curveball Jesus throws to the audience, right? They're not expecting this. They think he's going to get what he had coming. And I, I just feel amazed at this verse 20, that he runs and he throws his arm and he kisses him. Now this word kiss in the Greek language is not, it's, it's not the word kiss like that ob obligatory Goodbye, peck, you know, before we go to work, you know, bye. Although, I mean, I'm not saying anything about those bad. I'm, I'm thankful for those. I get those from Amy, and I get those from, 
my daughter Raina, and uh, I get those from Nell, you know, and so I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful for that. You know, my grandmothers have both gone on to heaven, so I'm thankful Nell still gives me a peck on the cheek every now and then, and, and a few other grandmas around here. So I'm just thankful for that kind of stuff, and those are great. I don't take those for granted. But that's not what the Bible's talking about here. It's a verb, kiss, that means he kissed and he kept kissing and kept kissing and kept kissing. You ever, you ever seen somebody that you haven't seen in a long time and you just love them so much and you just can't stop? Like, like you just want to, you kiss them and then you want to kiss them on the cheek and then you hug them and you kiss them on the neck and then you kiss the top of their head, you kiss their hands. You just want to kiss them and you kiss them again. I've been there before. That's our God. That's our God for prodigals. That's how he feels. Jesus wants us to know that. He kissed and kissed and kissed over and over and over. If you've been in a distant country, you've got a good God who's waiting and watching, who's going to run with open arms. And there's a party waiting for you. Do you deserve this? No. No, you don't. And I don't. We don't deserve it. But it's a story about a God who gives us what we do not deserve. He's so good, he wants to immediately, immediately accept you back. No questions asked. Full sonship, full daughtership, no second-rate status. Full status, full benefits, full acceptance. Right now. That's what God wants to do. That's how much he loves us. That's how good he is. And it's hard to believe what I just said. Some of you don't believe it. You just don't. Some of you, you hear about the gospel. You hear about the good news, that it's a totally free gift, period, end of sentence. And you're like, no, I don't really believe that. That sounds too good to be true. There's no free lunches. Nothing's for free. That's Christianity. I hate to tell you, those of you who don't believe it, that's Christianity. A totally free gift. And some of you are just saying, if I could just get cleaned up a little bit more, I'm going to get my ducks a little bit more in a row. When I get my life a little bit more in order and presentable, then I'm going to head back home toward God. And, and I, want you to, I, want to, I just want to say it again. Even though you've blown it, God our Father is so good that He runs to you today. He kisses your ragamuffin face. He embraces your stinky self. And He accepts you home as His child. No questions asked today. That's what our God does. I think it's the most amazing story in the Bible. I love this story. It's my story. And if that was the end of the story, that'd be a great story. That'd be, that'd be awesome. But it's not the end of the story. There's more. There's more. And it's an important part. Because if you'll remember when Jesus started the story... He said, let me tell you a story about a man who had two sons. Two sons. And this, this parable is actually about two boys. And if you're, if you're filling out, if you like to do fill out stuff, there's something in your bulletin, you can fill in the blanks with this right here. It's about one son who went out, that's the prodigal, and he came back home. It's about another son, the older son, who stayed at home, but he would not come in. It's a parable about two boys and they're both, listen to me close, they're both 
lost. You can be lost in a distant land, or you can be lost in the front yard. You can be lost by rebellion, or you can be lost by religion. You can be lost, you can be lost in the pub, or you can be lost sitting on a pew. But lost is lost. And they're both lost. Tim Keller is an awesome pastor at a Presbyterian church in New York City. I encourage you guys to listen to this guy as well. And this is what Tim Keller says. The bad son was lost in his badness, and the good son was lost in his goodness. Because you see, Christianity and the gospel is not about your badness or goodness. It's about the goodness of our Father. And if you're concentrating on either one of those, the badness of your badness or the goodness of your goodness, you're missing it. Both. Both need the Father's grace, but only one of them knows it. Grace. It's my favorite word. Would you guys say it out loud on the count of three? One, two, three. It's beautiful. Prodigals. Prodigals long for grace. Angels, the Bible, Jesus tells us, that angels celebrate and rejoice because of grace. That's what angels do. But let me tell you something. Big brothers, they're scared. They're scared of grace. They're bothered and perturbed by grace. See, older brothers kind of have this feeling like they're, they're the guardian at the door. And they've got to keep an eye on this crazy old man, this old, this old guy, the father. They've got to keep an eye on him because he's just going like kind of nuts. He may forgive everybody. He might. And they've got to guard everybody from that. They've got to keep him in line. They've got to keep, I mean, grace, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'll quit grace, but let's, let's not get crazy here. So don't miss this. I believe the whole reason Jesus tells this story is for the older brother. That's the reason. Because the older brother just doesn't see it. He's never had a moment, aha, where he woke up. He's never had an awakening. There's never been a brokenness. There's never been any honesty on that older brother's part. He's been in the father's house and he just just does not see how lost and desperate he is in need of aha. And what I want to say today is right here in this room, at Gateway, now, today, there are two stories of aha that really need to be told, that need to be put into motion, that need to happen today. There are some that are in the distant country and you need an aha moment, a wake up. And there are some of you right here today that are in the Father's house that are just as desperate, maybe more desperate, in need of an aha in your life than the prodigals. If you look at the context of this, of this, you go back to chapter 15, verse 1, this is what you see. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Now who is that? That's the prodigals. That's the younger sons. That's the one who've gone off to the distant country. And, and, and so here they are. They're all gathered around Jesus and they're listening to his stories. And that's not the normal crowd around a rabbi, okay, in the first century. But here they are. And look what happens in verse 2, because those prodigals are around. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Muttered. And here's the deal. That word muttered means they complained amongst one another. Older brothers are great at this. Get together some other older brothers. Get them all together. Get in a little pile. Get a little circle. Get together and whisper and talk. Get amongst each other. And we're going to mutter. 
going to complain. Why is he welcoming these younger brothers? Doesn't he know who they are? Doesn't he know what they've done? And so Jesus starts telling these stories because of these two verses. He tells three stories. He tells the story of a lost coin and a lost sheep. Something's lost and it's found and there's rejoicing. And then he's telling this story about a son and it's lost. And, you know, he's a dumb son. And he's lost. And he comes back and is rejoicing. And I think the Pharisees are probably going, okay, yeah, we get it, Jesus. I mean, it's inductive, right? He doesn't really explain it. They're just kind of going, okay, yeah, we understand. We see what you're saying, Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. It's good when people are found that have been lost. And they're thinking, okay, that's it. Those are three nice stories and the story's over. And then Jesus clears his throat. <clears throat> Meanwhile. The older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants. He asked him, what's going on? Your brother's come. Your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out to him. And pleaded with him. But he answered his father. Look. All these years I've been slaving. For you. Never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a young goat. So I could have a party. Celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours. Has squandered your property with prostitutes. Comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him. My son the father says. You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he was found. I believe there's probably a, a, a chunk of you guys in here that have never been to the distant country. You, you just haven't. You haven't gone off and squandered your life in awful living. Praise God. There's, there's a lot of you in here who have impressive religious resumes. Who followed all the rules. You've been at church every time. And I'm just trying to say today with Jesus, with this story, it's possible you may be lost. That's what this story is about. And there's a few things I want to point out as we take a look in the mirror. As we look at ourselves in the mirror and we do a little introspection here. If you're a person who might struggle with this big brother syndrome, here's some clues that you might. You can fill these in the blank if you like doing that in, in your bulletin there. First of all, there's an unwillingness to celebrate. Another person comes home. And you refuse to celebrate when your brother or sister has been in the distant country and, and, and there's just this good indication if you're doing that, that aha has not happened in your life. You may be more lost than they are because you're lost at home. And so, again, I said this a couple weeks ago, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about your physical, uh, the way you're sitting right now. I'm talking about a attitude. There's this, there's this deal right here. Of kind of crossing our arms and sitting back and just. And the prodigal is coming and 
saying, I'm sorry, and the prodigal's crying, and the prodigal is repenting, and the prodigal's saying, I'm going to try again, and the prodigal's saying, and there's just this, yeah, all right. Well, well, we'll see. Well, I'll tell you this, there's going to be some probation time. Well, well, let me tell you, you've got a few things to get in order, and you've got some things to make right around here. Well, maybe, maybe. Well, nobody asked you. Nobody asked you. This is not your house. This is not my house. This is the Father's house. And we have no business deciding who is going to come back as a son or a daughter from the distant land. That is not our business. Amen? And when there's a refusal to celebrate... You have, you, listen to me close. If you are not celebrating with prodigals, your heart is not jumping up and down. You have missed God's grace in your life. Because if you knew what you've been saved from, if you were aware of your lostness, of your sin, if you were aware of that, there is no way you would ever, ever have that attitude. You would be the first one to celebrate. But we miss it, don't we? And we get here. (laughs) Here's the second thing. Confidence in your own goodness instead of the Father's grace. Did you notice, notice this about the older brother? He says to the Father, Lord, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. What he's saying is, look what I deserve, God. I've been good. Look at these things I've done. I've followed the rules. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Look what I deserve. And he holds the things up. Look, this is what I deserve. Look, look, God. And the prodigal is like, I'm not worthy. I I got nothing. And I got to tell you, until you go from look, look what I deserve to I got nothing. Until you go from here to here, there is no aha moment. It's not going to happen. And the older brother just, he's like, look, I never left your house. I've been here. I've always been at church. Do you know how long I've been coming to this church? Do you know how much money I've given to this church? Do you know how I've served faithfully at this church while everybody else sat back and let me serve Why are we getting so excited about these younger brothers, about these prodigals? Why, God? Why are we doing that? What about me? What about me? What about what I want? It's like you're here for the younger brother. You care more about the younger brother than you do me. I've been right here the whole time. And you're all excited about this new person. What about the person who's been here for a really long time? What about me, God? And these things get said. And it's a person who's lost right in the Father's house if we're saying those words. And here's the third one. The older brothers are just whiners. <laughs> They're just whiners. Wah, wah, wah. That's how you know. If you're a whiner, 
You're probably an older brother. Because that's what happens. It is. In verse 1, those Pharisees, they get together. They mumble. They complain. They whine about the fact that all these sinners and tax collectors are coming together. Why can't it just be the way it used to be? I mean, our, our church, you know, back in the day, everybody knew how to sing four-part harmony. Why can't it be that way anymore? Let's have a seminar about it, and let's get an elders meeting. Let's talk. People knew how to dress and what to wear when they did stuff at church, and they knew the kind of music to listen to and what not to listen to and how loud to turn it up. And they told their kids to behave, sit down and be quiet and don't make any noise. And they knew what time church was supposed to be over. Look at the clock, for goodness sake. Why can't it just be like it used to be? Wine. It's just a tone. And it's about me. It's a focus on what I want. And there's little interest on the lost, on the criminals, on the addicts, on the atheists, on the people who have no hope, who are coming into the kingdom of God. Who cares about them? What I want. I want what I want. I don't care about them. Older brother. Whiners. Now, Jesus, I believe in this parable, is very hard on people. And I'm trying to match his hardness today. You guys that hear me speak often know this is not the norm for me. I'm actually a little nervous. My wife can tell, like my lips are all dry and I can't talk. I'm trying to match his hardness today. Because some of us need to hear it. But I don't want to miss the most important thing. And it's the ultimate takeaway The ultimate takeaway is this. People matter to God. People matter to God. What people? All people. All people matter to God. Every prodigal matters to God. And he will run down the road to meet you. If you're a prodigal and you've been in a distant land, he is up watching. He's on the edge of his seat today, hoping you're going to take one little step and he's going to run and meet you today because all people are important to God. But listen to me close. Older brothers are important to God. He loves them. He left the party. He went out to the older brother. And so if you're an older brother, if there's any... It's hard. I'll tell you what, it's hard. If, if Those things I was saying, if you are an older brother, it's likely that you were saying, well, that's not me. I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. I wish my niece could hear this over in Lubbock, you know, whatever. But I'm telling you, if you cracked your heart open just a little bit today and you're an older brother and you felt that and you thought, I think maybe I might be an older brother. If you felt that a little bit, I want you to hear this so crystal clear. God loves your cranky, whining, complaining, self-righteous, older brother self. He loves you just like you are today. He loves your guts. That's a way, like, you know, we say, I hate your guts. That's like how intense he loves you. He loves your guts. That's how much he loves you. He wants all of us to come home. He wants all of us to come in to the party. And here's the last thing. People matter to kingdom people. If you have a kingdom heart, a heart of God, then I'm going to tell you this. When a prodigal's coming home, it's a race. 
It's a race between the father getting to that person and you getting to that person. Because you're grabbing the robe and you're grabbing the sandals and the ring on your way out the door and you are on God's heels to open your arms and wrap them around that prodigal. Because people matter to kingdom people. I have had the great privilege to be with so many people through the years as they came home from a distant country. And it's one of my favorite things in the world. And, and one of my favorite things to say are these two things. To speak these words of assurance. And I want to say them to you today if you happen to be a prodigal coming home from the distant country. First, there are no second-rate Christians. There are no second-rate Christians. Most people who come back from the distant country walk in and they sit in the back. And they kind of sit back here and they're like, now there's the good, really good Christians, but then there's me and I'll never, I'll never be up there with those people. I'm, I'm second rate. I'm second rate status. I'm low. They're high. Untrue. Not the gospel. Not the Bible. The truth of the Bible is no second rate Christians. Second thing, no judgment from me, no matter what you've done. Whatever you've done, you and I stand or kneel shoulder to shoulder on the same level at the foot of this cross. And we desperately need what God did for us. It's our only hope. No judgment from me. So what's the third way to come into church? Well, it's to come not with pride with my nose up above all the rest of you and it's not with humiliation because i'm a horrible person i'm awful and i'm terrible and all of you are better than me it is to walk in with your head held up with confidence not in yourself but confidence in a good god confidence in a grace-filled god confidence in a god of unconditional love Walking into church with our feet, but running with our hearts. Because that's what we can all do. We can all run today. One of two things you can do today. We can run back home to the Father. Or we can be one who's running out to meet someone who is coming back to the Father. That's what God invites us to do today. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing to accept God's free gift, His grace, and become His child. And if the Father will run from His porch toward His Son, if Jesus would sprint from heaven to this cross to embrace it on our behalf for sinners, then we here at Gateway want to do the exact same thing. And so, we're going to have an invitation song. And it's Jesus' invitation to prodigals, and to older brothers. And everybody in between. You come while we stand and sing.